Mike Morgan joining us now. Morgan on the move, and he has been on the move around the world of college basketball, primarily in the SEC, calling games on the ESPN dysfunctional family of networks. Good evening, Mike. How are you? I am doing fine. <laughs> How you feeling? Not great. I've been battling uh, bronchitis for the last couple weeks, but uh, pressing through game after game, day after day. Mm. Funny. Hour by the hour. You've never sounded better. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about all that, but uh, your uh, producer there was talking about you couldn't notice last night. And uh, all I can say to that is it's the magic of quality drugs. <laughs> <laughs> Not cheap drugs either, brother. Not no. cheap. So no, um, what do you what do you make of uh, what's happening around the SEC in particular? South Carolina goes into Tennessee, 13-and-a-half-point dog, pulls off the win. It was no fluke win because they were right there the entire game and made shots down the stretch, and that defense is – they are really believing in their defense right now. What do you, you know, Alabama won a tough one last night um, down there at Georgia. Georgia's had a couple of tough home losses to Tennessee and, and Alabama. They were with those teams. They were right there until those other, uh, to the opponents pulled away. So what do you make of everything at this point with Alabama standing alone at the top? And of course, Florida winning at Kentucky in overtime last night. Well, you know, let's start with the Carolina uh, victory because I don't, I know we haven't spoken uh, on air or off air since then. I, I, I think that is as impressive as Kentucky was. I actually think to go on the road in Knoxville and do that to Tennessee, uh, and nobody could accuse Carolina of sneaking up on anybody. When you beat Kentucky like a drum on national TV the way they did the week before, you're on everybody's radar. Mm. Uh, Tennessee certainly was prepared. They knew they had a good team. They were ready to go. It was a big game, and they still lost. So I, I, I just think that's that's mammoth. Um, somebody mentioned, and I can't remember the the dates, Phil, and you might you might have come across this, but the last time that Carolina beat two top ten teams in the same week, it was early, early McGuire era, nineteen sixty eight. There you go. Mm-hmm. There, I knew you'd be all over that. Yep. Uh, I, I mean, that is <laughs> that. That's just phenomenal. I mean, and there's nothing flukish about it. So, look, I I said I said uh, on one of the games I was doing the other day, uh, and I say this with uh, full objectivity. Lamont mm-hmm. Paris would be my SEC Coach of the Year right now. Uh, I'll tell you what Eric Musselman told me last night before the Arkansas game I did. We talked to Eric Musselman for about 30 minutes, and if you know Eric Musselman at all, he is not bashful uh, of opinions or thoughts or anything. He also knows a hell of a lot about basketball. It's all he's ever done going back to his dad, Bill Musselman, and uh, since his days coaching the CBA as a 23-year-old. He said for him the best player in the SEC this year would be Talon Cooper. Think about that. Uh, there's a lot of extremely good talent in the league this year and a, and a plethora of elite point guards this year. And he said he would take Talon Cooper all, over all of them. And, and I've, I've kind of joked on, uh, on some other shows since December that I've had a, a man crush on Talon Cooper. I just love the way he plays. Here we go with the man crush again. 
Yep, and I think he's I think he's the biggest key to Carolina's success. Now he's not the the only key, but he's uh, he's a huge key. But but what that win does, it, it, we are now past. And I understand there's a lot of games to be played, mm-hmm. but we for my money, uh, we're at the point now where the analytics are more about seeding than they are getting in the tournament. You're looking at a tournament team. You're looking at a tournament team that was picked dead last in the SEC. I can't remember the last time that happened. Um, so it's just a, it's a phenomenal story. It's, it's great to see a program that desperately needed a uh, jolt of enthusiasm in it, uh, get it with the right coach uh, and the right compilation of players. So, uh, I would just start on that note that uh, you know Carolina now and look they, they could they could easily lose in Athens on Saturday. Uh, they're they're not, they're not going to win out right. They're going to lose some games. It's a stacked league. I think the winner of the SEC could easily be thirteen and five. You could have a five loss SEC champion because the league is that good and that deep. As I've been talking about, it would be going back to our conversations in November, uh, but. Uh, you know, Carolina is going to be one of those teams, and they'll be certainly fighting for the conference championship, which which would be a mammoth accomplishment. Uh, but I'd be shocked if they weren't going to the NCAA tournament as we sit here and talk in, in the first day of February. And I, I just I think that is uh, such a a great story in itself. Not just locally, you have to understand. National people now are talking about South Carolina. That hasn't happened, obviously, since the Final Four. And even leading up to the Final Four, nobody thought that team was that good. Uh, they made a great run in the tournament, which happens from time to time. But this is the most hype for a Gamecock basketball team in the regular season in a long time. Well, visiting with Mike Morgan, and I know a lot of Gamecock fans uh, don't want to hear this because of the way things ended with Frank Martin, though he did, of course, guide a team to the Final Four back in 2017. But they're going to have to hear it whether they like it or not. And that is the way the Gamecocks are playing right now, very similar to how that team played and won in 2017. Uh, Hanging their hats on defense and having enough offense to get them over the top. You go back to that 2017 team and the Gamecocks – Average 73 points per game offensively, and they gave up a, a like uh, they gave up 65 points per game. So defensively, they were 32nd in the country. Offensively, they were 179th. Much like this year's team, which really hangs its hat right now on defense, has some guys who can score like Cooper, and they do have some good outside shooters, as we well know, and they're winning without Michi Johnson scoring a whole lot, but they're giving up um, 60, they're giving up, uh, they're giving up 64, 64, 64. they're 24th in the country in defense, giving up 64. So I think it's a very similar situation in in terms of the, the style of play and it works. It worked for them back in 2017. It's working for them now. I'm not saying it's going to get them to the final four, but it's going to give them a chance every game out. Well, no question. And the other thing they do well is they handle the basketball well. And so if you if defense and ball security, those two things typically travel well. That's not just a byproduct of being a good team on your home floor. And so those two things clearly traveled well in Knoxville. 
They traveled well in Fayetteville. They've traveled well in other spots along the way, and I, I think they'll continue to travel well. Uh, now, I don't know where this offense off the top of my head ranks in the SEC, but my, my guess is somewhere in the in the middle of the pack. But as you mentioned, the defense, the last time I checked, that was number one, that points per game number. And if it's not number one, it's, it's right up there. The team that they were battling, <laughs> ironically enough, was Tennessee much of the way in, in that category. Um, and, and you go back to that 2017 team, and I can't remember off the top of my head on this one either. You would be more apt to remember where they finished in the league. Like They, they were never a threat to win the league. The, this team actually is a threat right now to win the league. So, uh, you know, it, it, it's apples to oranges, and you could be a really good team and not go to a Final Four. You could be a not-so-great team, and get hot at the right time and go to a Final Four. But I think this team's regular season has a chance to be the best one since Eddie Fogler's SEC title team back in 97. Well, the, the team went 15-1, and one, unfortunately bowed out to Coppin State. So uh, I, what they're doing is, is historic. No matter what happens in March, what they're doing in the regular season right now is historic. Well, they finished in 2017. They were 12 and six in the league. They finished tied for third with Arkansas. Florida was 14 and four, and Kentucky was 16 and two. So, okay, yeah, they they were yeah they finished 26 and 11. But they were only, if I remember correctly, they were like a seven seed That's in the right. NCAA tournament. So even still, the committee was you know they they didn't treat them like a top three or four seed. They they were a seventh seed. Um, so they didn't get a whole lot of respect there. They had to fight their way through a pretty tough bracket. I mean, they, of course, they had they played in Greenville, and they beat Marquette, and then he played in Greenville, and they beat Duke. Then you go up to New York, and you beat Baylor on a Friday night, and then you beat Florida on a Sunday afternoon, and then you go to the Final Four. And you got a shot right. in the Final Four against Gonzaga. You know, you got the ball, you got momentum on your side, and uh, unfortunately for them, I thought Felder took a very poor shot in a fast break situation, took a, a deep shot, kind of missed, and Gonzaga got the rebound, went down and scored, and I think that kind of killed the Gamecocks' momentum, Pat. My that wasn't the only bad shot. I, I don't want yeah. uh, to sell anybody out, but I, I thought some of the decisions made handling the ball and taking those shots down the stretch, they should have been Sundarius Thornwell. Yeah. That was, that was, he was your go-to guy. And other guys, I thought, played a little bit of hero ball. But that's that's neither here nor there. There's still a, a terrific run. Um, but, yeah, I, I'd forgotten what their conference record was. And this team certainly has a chance to be right up there when it's all said and done. To your other question, though, I mean, you watch Florida win at Rupp Arena. You know, you watch Alabama doing what they're doing. Nobody wants to play Auburn uh, on their home floor. This is a much deeper league than it was in 2017. It's a much better league than it was in 2017. Yeah, only five so the, teams, only five SEC teams made the tournament that year. There you go. I, I mean, and, and that, and I, I would, I would bet very good money on February one that this is an eight bid league with the possibility of Florida being nine wow. after they finally picked up their first quad one win. So I, I'm, I'm thinking this is going to be an eight or nine bid league. Eight would tie the record. Nine would be the new SEC record. So I, I, I kind of like going down this road with you. This is a good kind of comp seven years ago, what it was then, what it is now. And there are, certainly are some similarities, but there's also some 
pretty stark differences as uh, as we've highlighted. Mike, this is probably way too early to bring up, but with the talk now, you already mentioned you think that Coach Paris would, should be up for National Coach of the Year or Conference Coach of the Year. I saw the Milwaukee Sentinel Journal or whatever the local paper is up there already talking about him and how Wisconsin let Coach Paris get away and if he might ever come back. Where I'm going with this is when he was first hired, I was a big B.J. Mackey fan and kind of questioned the hire, thinking Coach Paris might be gone within three years, either not doing well and getting fired or being successful and getting poached by a Big Ten team. Well, he quickly won everybody over here, myself included. With the success the Gamecocks are having this season, other teams are going to come calling. It's, just a ma- it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when at this point. What's it going to take for USC to keep him here in Columbia, and do you think Ray Tanner is going to open up the checkbook, or what do you see happening this offseason? Uh, Ray would not let him go. Ray has never, I mean, Don Staley has flirted with other teams several times uh, and has gotten many raises in the process, but Ray's never never uh, let her go, so to speak. I mean, he's always managed to keep the coaches that are that are worth keeping, and that would still be the same here. You're an SEC program, you've got SEC dollars, and he happens to love Columbia. So, you know, if that actually became a a situation where he was coveted by other uh, programs, I don't I don't think it would be uh, too big of a concern, to be honest with you. I had a really good uh, long talk with him one-on-one before I did the Missouri game uh, a week and a half ago and, and actually shared some of that conversation. I think it went viral on, on X uh, and other spots, just kind of his background and where he comes from and what makes him tick, because I don't think that story had been told by anybody before, quite frankly. Everybody just knew he was the guy that coached at Wisconsin under Bo Ryan, but they really didn't know anything about him. But if you know his track record and background, this is the kind of guy that was waiting for somebody to give him his big break. And I don't think he wants to just turn the other cheek on the guy in Ray Tanner and the program in South Carolina that did that. On top of that, he's beloved here. He's happy. He loves the area. Uh, and he knows that He's not just setting up this program for a blip on the radar successful breakout year. He wants to do this and have something that Gamecock basketball has lacked for the better part of 50 years, which is consistently good. Going to -to back-to-back tournaments or even back-to-back-to-back tournaments and doing something once you get there. I think he sees the potential there. He sees an 18,000-seat arena that gets extremely loud when your team is good. A fan base that is behind you, uh, a recruiting base now with the portal. And this is key. With the portal, you no longer have to constantly be worried about, well, this kid, the, the, the very best players out of South Carolina, they all want to go to Duke. They all want to go to Tobacco Road. They all want to go everywhere but the state of South. Well, you know what? You can win without having those five-star kids. So if a Zion Williamson wants to go to Duke, sayonara get the other kids get the three-star kids out of south carolina like a talon cooper like a murray boyles who did not get an offer from south carolina or clemson get those kids and then go in the portal and get valuable guys like a miles studi like a josh gray get those type of players in the portal and and i'm confident that lamont paris will be able to field a quality and competitive team year in year out not just a once-in-a-every-10-year type situation where you hit the perfect storm. So I, I, I'm pretty confident if, if everything turns out well and 
Well, Mott's the toast of the town, and all of a sudden people come knocking. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty confident Ray Tanner will do what it takes to keep him around, and I'm pretty confident he's quite happy in Columbia. Visiting with Mike Morgan <coughs> for a <coughs> couple of more minutes before we cut him loose, the SEC announced the uh, format for the SEC baseball tournament beginning in May of 2025. They're going to have all 16 teams come to Hoover and a single elimination all the way through. And the top four teams get a double bye. I'm sure you familiarize yourself with all of this. Uh, you like this format for a baseball tournament? Uh, you like having all 16 teams in there? Is I think they probably did that so that teams would have a chance to win one or two more games to help their resume for the NCAA tournament. That's just me thinking. What do you think about what they did here? Well, this is what coaches have wanted all along. The coaches all want the extra opportunities to win more games. And quite honestly, it's it's a how do I survive and not get fired? If you're having a bad year and only two teams get left out of the tournament, I think a lot of coaches feel like that was a bad look and so it's easier to get fired. The way I look at it, because I don't have to worry about coaches getting fired because I'm not a coach, if you've been that bad all year long, you don't need to be in the SEC tournament uh, necessarily. You know, I think some of these teams that I've covered in the SEC over the years, or any conference for that matter, that have been so so beleaguered with injuries, they don't have any pitching, they really don't stand a fighting chance to make any type of run. Why send them to Hoover for a tournament? Uh, so I can see it from both sides. Uh, and, again, this has been talked about for a long time before the, even the addition of, of two more programs. But I, I think it's going to be very interesting to see. The, the thing about it is, I mean, talking with these coaches, when they get to that point that they're a good team, they want to save their pitching for the NCAA tournament, not the SEC tournament. Mm-hmm. Same thing that goes with the ACC tournament, pool play, which I've had that event a few times. So uh, I – I don't know if it's really uh, the best solution. We'll give it a shot. I'm trying not to be too cynical about it until I see it take fold. But uh, but I know one thing. That's a lot of traffic out there hmm. uh, and, and a lot of teams that will be either playing just to rest their pitching staff, some teams playing out the string, some teams playing on the bubble. Those will be the most significant games. And the rest will be the rest. So it, it all depends on which matchup you're looking at. Well, Oklahoma and Texas coming in going to add a lot more great baseball to an already uh, great baseball league. And they'll continue to play 30 league games with 10 three-game series for everybody. Should be a heck of a lot of fun. Uh, where are you taking your sore throat and your hoarseness this weekend? I'm heading out to the Music City tomorrow and uh, for the game Saturday at Vanderbilt. First time I've had Vanderbilt all year. Yeah. Uh, well, there's a street and, there. There's a street there called Broadway, uh, yeah. and there's some really good um, places there to get fluids that'll that'll help you feel better. Yeah. No, I've heard about that. Yeah. I've heard. Trust me, those same fluids I can find in my house. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't need to go three and a half hours to get those fluids. But yeah. uh, but they are. Well, yeah, are they, no, it'll be interesting. Are they served to you by uh, by blondes in uh, in pink uh, cowboy boots? Uh, well, that would only be my wife, of course. Yes. That would be. Uh, yeah. She is blonde, and uh, she does own a pair of cowboy boots. Oh. So, so that's that's okay. a possibility. Uh, yeah, you know, we like to mix it up every now and then, Phil. <laughs> um, 
But no, there's no telling. You're a man's what, uh, man, Mike concerned. Morgan. You're a man's man. <laughs> the people want to know now, Mike, is it Tennessee whiskey or Kentucky bourbon? What's your What's your poison? Well, it's Kentucky bourbon for me. Oh, it's, uh, it's Woodford. It's Blanton's. Mm. It's Buffalo Trace. Uh, little Angel's Envy, yeah. Hard uh, to beat the bourbon trail. Kentucky bourbon guy. Bourbon trail. I stopped Very at uh, the distillery there where they make uh, Woodford. That's quite the, that's quite the vacation spot uh, on the way. I've been there. It's between awesome. Lexington and I, Louisville. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a that, uh, Woodford and Buffalo Trace are my. I've done Maker's Mark as well. Those mm. would be my two favorite though. Woodford. I'd recommend. Woodford and Buffalo Trace to anybody. Yeah, Mike Morgan, brought to you by Woodford and Buffalo Trace. Mm. Yes, get hey, him. let's let's make that happen. Get him while Call he's sober. That's our goal. Get him while he's sober. Mike, exactly. hope you feel better. Thanks for the visit, and we'll talk to you next week. Okay, guys, take care. Take care Thanks, of yourself Mike. in the Music City. Hard to take care of yourself in the Music City because things can get out of hand there. Thank you, Mike. We appreciate it. Come back with some recruiting and comments from the new coach of the Panthers, Dave Canales. That's coming up after the break. We'll <laughs> be